Hello everyone and welcome to my latest podcast. I hope you're doing well and that you are prospering even as your soul is prospering. Remember, my coaching and consulting business is focused on the health of you, the leader. The health of you, the leader, as a person. Behind every leader is a person. And behind the person is a soul. And if our soul is healthy, then everything else will flow from that. And I hope that you will be blessed by today's podcast episode where I will talk about the topic, how to lead and still have a life. And I'm so thankful for Dilbert's book on this topic, from which I got a few points that I will share as well with you in this podcast. And I'm sure you will be blessed with everything that you will hear today. So how do we lead and still have a life? What a title, isn't it? Well, sometimes it seems that leadership can suck the life out of you. That is, if we do not lead ourselves first, the most important person to lead is you. Often it's being said in this regard that we need balance. We need to lead from balance. Well, I don't think there is such a thing. However, there is the art of juggling. As a leader, it's often not about finding balance, but about juggling multiple activities and responsibilities. How do we juggle in such a way that we don't drop the ball on our own health, on our family health? Well, let me share eight helpful insights on how to lead and still have a life. Number one, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23 says it so clearly. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. You see, everything that's healthy grows from the inside out, not from the outside in. So quality is much more important than quantity. What happens in our inner life is paramount, so much more important than what happens in our outer life. You must start with guarding your heart above all else and focus on your inner health first. That means two things. First, make sure you fill your heart with God's words. Let's pay attention to everything God says through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, through creation, and, and store up God's words in your heart. Uh, it says in Proverbs 4, 20 and 21 that we store up his words in our heart. So in other words, there's no point in guarding your heart if the wrong things are in your heart. Uh, but after you've stored up God's words in your heart, well, then you want to guard it like a bank protects its gold. So the first thing is, Take God's words, have a daily life with God's words. And I know it sounds so um, super easy. Well, actually, it might not be easy, but the principle is simple enough. We need to read and meditate on God's words um, more than we focus on brushing our teeth or eating our food. The word is our food. And the more we get God's words in our heart, 
the more his words will take root in our heart. And then secondly, we need to protect our hearts because God's words are stored there. So guarding your heart means not to let anything else take precedence over God's words. It means to be aware of the things you watch, the things you read, the things you think about, and uh, to compare everything that you think about with God's truth. It's so easy sometimes for lies to creep in and uh, for the devil to distract us. But once we have God's words in our hearts, um, that will be our guide and that will be our protection. And we will then be able to live out of his words and we will be live out of our heart and, um, you, you know, uh, also following the direction of the Holy Spirit, not going against our conscience. God's word in your heart is like gold in the bank of your life. Number two, practice the Sabbath. I wish I learned earlier that practicing the Sabbath is as important for my life as tithing is. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I love the principle of tithing and putting God first in my finances. And uh, we need to trust God with the first portion of everything. However, uh, a tithe is a tenth of our money, but a Sabbath is a seventh of our time. And so... Even the Bible mathematically shows that the Sabbath takes precedence and both are very important. But if we do not uh, have a Sabbath given to God, then we will actually burn out and we will not walk in the rhythms that God has for us. The Sabbath is the first day Adam walked this earth and it was given to God. So it is a tithe. His first day, his first time he had on earth, it was a gift to God. In the Sabbath, we do three things. We pause, we pray, and we play. So first, we pause. We press the pause button. That means work can wait. We trust God that we need rest and that his blessing will be on the other six days as much as it is on this one. Um, it's interesting that in the Ten Commandments, when talking about celebrating the Sabbath, God says, for you were once slaves in Egypt and you were delivered by my mighty hand. And I was wondering, what does that have to do with the Sabbath? And as I was pondering and praying about it, it hit me. I had a revelation about the Sabbath because we can be enslaved to work. Work can be our master and the Sabbath keeps us from being enslaved in a land where work is driving us. We need to press the pause button. And if we're unable to do that, we need to ask ourselves, why are we not trusting God? The Sabbath helps us to trust God with our time as much as tithing helps us to trust God with our money. So first we pause. Second, we play. We, we actively spend time recreating, enjoying God's creation. Time with our spouse and children and a moment for our own soul. God delights in our enjoyment. And thirdly, we pray. We, we spend time in meditation and prayer. 
delighting ourselves in God's presence without rush or agenda, maybe taking a walk with God, maybe, maybe just sitting with Him and, and not following a certain program, but, but just enjoying God, becoming aware of His presence even more than, than you normally do. That's the power of the Sabbath and it will put fuel in your spirit it will put rest in your soul and it will bless your family and your children. How to lead and still have a life. Here is insight number three. Practice daily mini Sabbaths. What is a daily mini Sabbath? Well, although practicing a weekly Sabbath goes a long way in being rested for the week, let's not burn the candle at both ends on the other six days. Practicing a daily mini-sabbath, or rather daily mini-sabbaths, plural, ensures that you have breathing space throughout the day. What is a mini-sabbath? It's a short break at the start, the mid, and the end of each day. Whether that break is five minutes or 15, it helps you refocus the lens. Zoom in on God's presence during this time. Sit with the Bible. Go for a short prayer walk. Get refreshed. Praise Him. Listen to Him. This will fuel your spirit and keeps you going throughout the day. In Psalm 55 verse 16 we read, Morning, noon and night I cry out, and he hears my voice. It's all good and well to have a weekly Sabbath, but wouldn't it be a shame if we have one day of rest and then work 16 hours a day on the other six days? Even for your body, it's so much better to sometimes just get up, take a walk and smell the roses. Uh, look at the birds. It helps you get rid of worry, get fresh ideas, uh, get a word from God and, and, and just spend regular time in God's presence and experiencing God's presence. Here's number four. Invest in vital relations. Invest in your spouse and your children. That doesn't happen automatically. Marriage doesn't happen automatically. Only what is sown will grow and bear fruit. So read 1 Timothy chapter 3 and become a 1 Timothy 3 father, a 1 Timothy 3 leader. Check out my post on my Instagram on, on some insights in how to do that and read this and uh, follow Paul's advice in being a father according to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This means that you realize your most important disciples live in your own home. Also, invest in vital friendships. Like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It doesn't say, so the word of God sharpens you, although God's word can be sharpening, but we need a friend as much as we need the word of God. We need a man to sharpen us. We need a friend to sharpen us. These relationships will strengthen you. 
Also invest in those that can coach or mentor you. A coach will help you see your blind spots, will help you see the glasses you're wearing, which by definition you don't see unless you look into the mirror. So a coach is like a mirror. It, he gives you fresh vision. Uh, he gives you hope. Remember, when it comes to this topic, your input needs to exceed your output. And as you make these investments in the relationship bank, you will have credit for when you need it. You will be able to make withdrawals because you have put relationship money in the bank. Think about this question. Which person do you want to invest in this week and make it happen? Here we go with number five, ask and include. Ask people to help you. Include people in projects. Set someone free to do the task. It so helps to give away responsibility and to not lead alone. Because when it all rests on you, it will take the best of you. So mobilize the troops. Let them do it. Let them have a go. They might not do it at the same level that you're doing it, but as they grow and progress, they could exceed that level in the future. And an insecure leader uh, is an unhealthy leader. Uh, they will prevent others from growing and ultimately uh, that is a lose-lose situation because others won't grow and you will be burdened. But as you grow in your God confidence, as you grow in your identity, then um, there is no problem with releasing other people, setting people free. Teamwork makes the dream work. A great acronym for the word team is together everyone achieves more. If you need help with this, uh, contact my fellow uh, coaching and consulting ministry, Grow a Healthy Church, for serious ways how you can ensure significant change in this area. Go to growahealthychurch.com. Number six on how to lead and still have a life is lead from your sweet spot. The sweet spot between your gifts, your passions and your experiences. That's where the magic happens. Don't keep doing what someone else can be doing. Um, eventually, you need to specialize so that all can maximize. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. The apostles were busy uh, arranging uh, food distribution to widows, which is obviously really important, but that prevented them from spending time in the Word and in prayer. They needed to specialize. So they told the church, hey, look, you find some people who are filled with the Spirit and who are capable to arrange the distribution of food, and then we will devote ourselves to the Word of God and to prayer. So as you specialize and let others free, which I shared in the previous point, then you will grow and you will actually have more uh, enjoyment in what you do. You know, many leaders keep doing the things that they are not gifted for or that do not maximize their potential. There are different reasons for this. Some fear what, what others may think when they stop doing all these things. Other leaders get stuck in a management rut, not realizing that if they keep managing today, they will not lead towards tomorrow. 
let others do the management. Management is really important. It, it's a gift. It, it's about organization, but leadership is about vision. Management deals with what is, leadership focuses on what could be. Managers assign people for the task, leaders align people for the mission. Management, it's highly needed, but leaders need to lead and managers need to manage. So move from managing to leading like Jesus did. The Great Commission is all about this principle. Jesus trusted his disciples. He gave them an assignment and then he left. So you too need to lead more and manage less and read Acts chapter 6 for more practical, spiritual and proven pieces of advice on how to go about that. Number seven, are you ready for the last two pieces of advice on this topic? Number seven, emphasize mission over method. The founder of Starbucks delivered this mission focus to his team. He said, we're not in the coffee business serving people. We are in the people business serving coffee. And all the time he was talking about his mission. You know, methods can change, but the mission stays the same. We need to make sure that the methods are not leading us and to communicate the mission continually and not the methods to leave the process to managers, but to focus on the vision and the mission. So as a leader, constantly remind your people that methods should not direct us and rather remind your people about what the mission is. People need to be able to be woken up at 3 a.m. And, and, and when they are asked, what is our mission? They will say, we are in the people business, serving coffee. Methods keep changing, but keep pointing your people in the direction of the mission and make that mission clear for all. How can you go about that? And lastly, number eight, juggle one type of activity at a time. This piece of advice from Dilbert's book on this topic, How to Lead and Still as a Life, has just completely changed the way I manage my time. You see, it's really not about time management, but about priority management is often being said. But well, actually, it is about time management because there are different types of time. Your time can be divided into four types of activity, all starting with the letter R. Number one, rest time. Number two, results time. Number three, response time. And number four, refocus time. As you manage your time in large blocks, focusing on only one of these activities at a time, you will be able to get, number one, a lot of rest and enjoyment in life, and number two, also get a lot of stuff done. So you start with rest time. You block this as an appointment in your calendar. Rest time is time to recreate and not to do anything else but relax and regain energy. Doing a hobby, spending time with friends, enjoying a meal. Block this time in, an, in advance as an appointment. If someone asks you, hey, are you available Friday night? 
you look in your calendar and you say, no, I have an appointment. It doesn't matter whether you have an appointment with a person or a meeting or whether you appointed rest time. So this time is as essential as any other type of time and as any other type of appointment. So it means you're not going to do any work when you plan to relax. You're not going to check your phone when you plan to rest. You're not going to answer email when you plan to take time off. You only focus on that activity. You focus on rest time and you're going to enjoy it, make the most of it. Block this time and prioritize it. The second type of time is results time. What is results time? Well, it is focused time on important projects. This is the time to work on what is really important to you. So you're not uh, dependent on other people's priorities. You're not checking your email, responding to things. No, you set time apart to write the book, make the podcast, prepare the message, develop the project plan. And you won't let anything else interfere with this time. If you're in an office, then you lock the door. You uh, maybe turn your phone on do not disturb. Um, your email notifications are switched off. Your Netflix account is not open. You're not resting or relaxing. You're not responding to the urgent needs of others. You are working on getting things done. Doing this first thing in the morning helps you to start with fresh energy without any outside interference. When you check your email first thing in the morning, your thoughts will already be feel, filled with other people's priorities, demands, or questions. And it can distract you from your main mission, getting results. So start with rest and then move on to results. And only after that, focus on answering mails and answering calls. And that is the third type of time. We call that response time. Response time is blocked time to respond to mails and calls. As you block this time in your agenda, it has all kinds of advantages. First of all, it will prevent you from responding all throughout the day and letting the urgent rule you. If you block a time called response time in your agenda, then you can rest in the knowledge that you will respond. And it helps you not to respond when you are uh, in rest time or in results time because you want to let the important take precedence, not the urgent. Secondly, it keeps you from responding hastily or carelessly. When you respond or rather react to any email or text message immediately, you can later come to regret it. But having a period, a space between receiving a message and answering it ensures you can look at the message with a clear mind during your response time and you can then respond appropriately. Thirdly, having a response time ensures you won't forget to respond to a message. I mean, that's often happened to me that I, I get a message and I, I just forget about it. But if you have a blocked time called response time, it ensures you actually will respond to messages uh, or at least you will filter which messages you want to respond to now or which you want to respond to 
later. And, and that will help you actually respond and also help you, help, help you respond in the best way to any methods. And that is the fourth benefit of having a response time. It will help you determine how to respond. Is it calling someone? Is it setting up a meeting? Is it a short text reply or no reply at this time? Because you have allocated adequate time for responding to messages, you will be able to respond appropriately. And lastly, the fourth type of time is refocus time. What is refocus time? It is scheduled time to evaluate your life and your leadership. It's about setting time aside in your calendar to, to evaluate how you're doing and then to refocus. It helps to plan or block this type of time months in advance. For, for example, three or four times a year. Just take uh, your calendar, look at your year and plan a few hours or even an entire day for this. Plan it in in advance. This summer I will take this particular Friday off and I will go to this and that place and evaluate my life. Contact me for, for a list of evaluation questions that you can ask yourself and I will send it to you. And then as you have evaluated you then refocus on what needs to change, what do you want to stop doing, what do you want to start doing, and it will help you um, sharpen the lens again and get ready for the next season in your life and stay on track in leading and having a life at the same time. So there you go. I hope this all has helped you in how you can lead and still have a life. If you want to know more about growing a healthy soul as a leader, I would be happy to talk to you. I would be happy to talk to you about my programs for teams and for individuals. The life of the leader is so important. Behind the leader is the person. And as you grow in health, as you grow in joy, as you grow a healthy soul, you will have more enjoyment in life and everyone else will benefit too. Uh, it is right now, it is the month of June 2023 and I still have two more discounted rates available for a Grow a Healthy Soul consult. And that offer expires on the 1st of July 2023 so make sure you head to my website growahealthysoul.com for more information and i can't wait to speak with you in the next episode of the grow a healthy soul podcast have a great day <music>